Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 10 of the Movie Multiverse Podcast. I'm your host, Gabriel Chartier, joined as always by my co-host, Stephen Verville. How are you today, Stephen? Doing great, Gab. WrestleMania weekend. Baseball's back. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. Yeah, I'm happy that baseball is back. It's good to see the Jays back in action. It is. We're not going to get too hopeful this year because, you know, we we both know what it's like cheering for Toronto sports, but you never know. <laughs> yes, it's just pain over and over again. Yes, it is. That's what it's like. <laughs> oh, God. So we got a big week uh, this week in terms of news. So let's jump right into it. First note I have is uh, they found their Lilo for Disney's uh, live action Lilo and Stitch remake. Uh, Maya Kealoa, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly. Um, I believe she's relatively uh, a newcomer to the acting scene. So Yeah, I would assume, especially because she's playing a, a young girl. Yes. <laughs> so I'm excited for this movie, though. Like, I think that's going to be a good one. Or is it a TV show or a movie? I believe it's a movie. And I think, if I'm not mistaken, I think it's going to be a Disney Plus movie. Nice. Yeah. So, that's, well, that's going to be good. Yeah, exactly. Um, moving on to the next point The Last of Us Season 2 to film in Vancouver and uh, set to begin later this year. Nice. Well, that's uh, they're filming earlier than I thought they would, to be honest. They're, they're writing the scripts right now. So, it gives them enough time to kind of uh, go through that whole pre-production thing now if i'm not mistaken did you play the game i have not but i, I i've okay I, I played a little bit i never beat it there that's a better way of saying it. <laughs> i played it never beat it okay i think i think most of or at least the majority of part two is set in seattle so the reason they're moving to vancouver from alberta right across, is, right across the water is to to have that uh kind of same feel as seattle so it's, it's right there right so Exactly. So, yeah, I think it makes sense. Yeah, no, um, exciting. Exciting development, exactly. Um, next, I have uh, Clayface uh, to have a somewhat significant role in Batman uh, number two. So, uh, nice. You familiar with that villain? Somewhat, character? like, like, like briefly. Like, I'm not like a Clayface expert, but like, it's. I think he's a super powered character. So it's going to be interesting to see a super powered character in. Uh, the Batman, which was basically very, you know, set in reality. So it's gonna be interesting. I'm looking forward to that movie. Like, I think it's one of my most anticipated movies of like the next ten years. <laughs> yes, the next ten years. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, like as you as you said, it's a very grounded film, so it would be interesting to kind of see how he, uh, how, uh, how he faces uh, a superpowered being. I guess. Yeah, it'd be nice. Um, next, I have uh, David Lowry set to direct an episode of Skeleton Crew. So um, I find it interesting that all these like, directing, <laughs> it's kind of getting released for a Skeleton Crew, and we didn't really get anything for, like, Ahsoka or for uh, uh, Mando Season 3. Like Probably to drum up some excitement, because I think Skeleton Crew is probably, like, less less of an exciting project for a lot of people than, like, Ahsoka, which is the Rebel sequel, or Mando, which is, like, a cult classic already. So, yeah, I think it's probably just to drum up some excitement amongst more casual viewers, but it's, it is it is interesting, I agree. Fair enough. That's a good point. Next point, um, I have Curb Your Enthusiasm likely to end with Season 12. Have, have you, you seen this show? I for me I don't I I funnily enough I've heard of it but I didn't realize it was this long like I didn't realize it was twelve seasons of this show yeah uh, it, uh Larry David right is in the show uh not sure and I think like sign the the guy from Seinfeld Jerry yeah yeah so Seinfeld yeah like the main character yeah I think he's in the show as well um 
I, I could be I could be wrong there, but um, anyways, like <laughs> these characters are pretty old, and as you've noted, they've been doing this for a long time, so not not shocking at all. No, Season, no. twelve seasons is a it's a hell of a run. So <laughs> yeah, no kidding. <laughs> um, next, I have Ryan Coogler developing a new X Files series. Interesting. Yeah, I'm not an X Files guy. Like, did, did you ever get into the X Files? No, like... but anything Ryan Coogler does has me interested. Oh, I'm sure it'll be very good. I just, I, I, it was never my style, but you know, it's interesting. He's 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 kind of cemented himself as a quality, you know, personality in the uh, in the cinema game. So yeah, this should be good. Yeah, and he has his own production company, so I'm assuming it would be yes yeah, uh, make it... done under that banner. Yep. Um, next, I have the White Lotus season three to be set in Thailand. Very interesting. Uh, they did say, I think, post season two finale that they wanted to go into like the Southeast Asia uh, yep. neighborhood. So this kind of makes sense. And obviously, um, very exciting. No casting yet, but uh, I really enjoyed the first two seasons. Excited to see where this goes. Good. Yeah. You haven't, you haven't seen this show. Eh? No, I have not. <laughs> Most it's, stuff I have <laughs> It's very, very... Like, <laughs> it's hard to describe. It's it's super interesting, and it's it's uh it's kind of like anthology style, except there's one character that that stuck from season one to season two. Otherwise, the the rest of the cast was all new. Um, and it's like it's like a week at a resort, and it's a white lotus resort. Okay. So it's like so like at the beginning of the show, there's like a set of like characters that show up to the resort, and it like goes over their week at the said resort. I see. So it's like, it's super interesting. And <laughs> Sounds interesting. Yeah. And obviously, like, a lot of these people are, like, rich for the most part. So, like, they're pieces of shit. <laughs> 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 so it's it's really good. Really good. I highly recommend it if anyone hasn't seen it. Um, next, I have uh, House of Dragons Season 2. They announced that it'll, it's going to be eight seasons instead of ten, like the first season. You mean episodes? And- Yes. yes, no, that's exactly what I meant. Thank you. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> and they're currently mapping out plans for uh, season three and uh, a possible season four. Nice. Uh, I, I did see this one and I saw some people who are like big like Game of Thrones fans who are a little nervous that they're going to draw it out a little much because I think it's based off of like a small number of novels. So people are like a little worried that it's just going to be extended for monetary purposes, right? So I think that's yeah. I don't know if that's a very common uh like worry amongst the Game of Thrones community, but I've seen a few people talk about it. Yeah, and like they're talking about a for sure season three. I think what they're discussing right now from the reports I've read is that whether or not a season four makes sense, considering the amount of like four would be the absolute end, but they're considering maybe ending it with season three. I see. Even though uh, George R. R. Martin kind of said, "Yeah, they need they need four seasons, ten episodes per season to, to do the show." <laughs> okay, <laughs> but like he's not a showrunner; he's a book no. writer. So exactly, so, so it's kind of tough for him to like kind of say right. But you know, hopefully, it just doesn't overstay its welcome. But I, I I've got faith based on you know what people have been saying about you know season one. So mm-hmm. and consider, yeah, considering the fact that they're shortening the the episode count for the season. Uh, it probably, you know, they probably looked at it and said, okay, this makes sense if we're doing a season three and maybe a season four. So I have faith in what they're doing. Season one was really good. So, yeah, for sure. And um, yeah, it's, 
if they do it right, I don't care how many seasons are, you know what I mean? It's just, like I said, it's just in the Game of Thrones community. I think it's a little bit of like season eight Game of Thrones PTSD, kind of. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, yeah, Although, like, that needed more time. It didn't need to be dragged out. It that's needed more funny. time. <laughs> it's a lack of trust is basically what it is at this point. So we'll see. It's obviously not going to be the same uh, the same people. So yes. nothing, I don't think. Well, it'll be good. Gotta have faith. Gotta have faith, exactly. Speaking of faith, I have all the faith in the world in Percy Jackson show. So uh, the writer's room for season two has officially begun. However, uh, it it hasn't been greenlit. They've just like been given to go ahead to start mapping out what a season two would look like. And I fully anticipate they'll get a season two renewal. Oh, but so, uh, but uh, yeah, nonetheless, very exciting. I'm very excited as well. It's uh, it still breaks my heart that Lance Reddick passed away because uh, I think he would have been a really important integral aspect to the show throughout yes. the years yes. and uh, I'm, I'm very saddened about that yes and i think we'll be able to see his portrayal of zeus we but, will apparently but, he was filming and everything so they, they will yes. honor him with that but uh unfortunately he will not be able to be parts of later seasons no and to be quite honest with you like the gods don't have a major role in in these books like they're a very small part of them so I, I don't even know if Zeus shows up in the second book, to be quite honest with you. Oh, well, but, there you go. But, but still, still a shame. <laughs> but yes, no, it, it would have been really cool to see Lance's uh, portrayal all the way through the five books. But uh, obviously, that's not going to happen, unfortunately. But uh, we'll always have that season one uh, portrayal of him. So um, looking forward to it. Absolutely. Um, next, we have Ike Perlbutter, let go at Disney. Uh, he was the president of Marvel uh, Entertainment and famously tried to fire uh, Kevin Feige in 2015 uh, unsuccessfully as <laughs> uh, then and now C- uh, CEO of uh, Disney, uh, Bob Iger, kind of gave uh, Feige the job <laughs> after that whole cr- kerfuffle. <laughs> Interesting. Like Marvel and uh, a couple of Disney studios, they've been cleaning house recently, eh? Yeah. They essentially so, shut down Marvel Entertainment, if I'm not mistaken, and they like they put it in like they just moved whatever they they, they were doing into like another division. That's fine. Yeah, yeah. it is what it is. Yeah. <laughs> what I find funny about this is like Ike is like 80 years old. <laughs> Could they <laughs> not have just said like he's stepping away to yeah, retire? Retire, buddy. He's fired. <laughs> <laughs> I just find it hilarious. Like he doesn't need any sympathy, but like, oh, but because it's true. like a man at that age, yeah, just be like, yeah, he's stepping away. It's uh, he he realizes it's time to retire. Simple, so, yeah. like, because he's not gonna go do other projects now. Like at that age, like I, I don't yeah. expect him to be like, you know, I'm gonna go join the, you know, the aliens universe as their president. Like, no, <laughs> I don't think so. Exactly, um, but like he was famously also the person who like it, he was the reason that like a Black Widow movie took so long to make and like a Black Panther movie took so long to make. Shang Chi, like any diversity, he diversity, was not for yeah. it. Yeah. So. So. Bye bye. Bye bye, buddy. Bye bye bye. <laughs> exactly. Um. Next, I have. Uh, I think the rest is like all Marvel Studios news. <laughs> So <laughs> from that one on, yeah. Yeah, there is a lot of stuff to get into for Marvel Good. Studios. That's perfectly fine for me. Yeah. Uh Josh Friedman. I wrote here Avatar the Way of Water, but I think it's still that's since been corrected to Avatar 4. He wrote Avatar 4, is set to uh, take over as screenwriter for oh. Fantastic Four. So. Fantastic Four, Avatar 4. Uh, 
Yeah, know? no, he really likes the number four. Like fourth, yeah, he likes the fourths. Yes. Uh, yeah, you know, Avatar four was a great movie. So. Nah, but like, I don't know who that is. That's the joke mostly. <laughs> so I, I don't know if this is like a good hire. <laughs> well, from there was a famous quote that was seen. <laughs> I think it was from uh, James Cameron. He said, "He said when we handed in the Avatar four script to Disney, <laughs> we got back zero notes and a whole bunch of holy fucks." <laughs> oh, like, that's good then. But we all. Yeah. James Cameron also has a very swollen ego, so you yes. he, maybe he's just trying to make himself feel good. But no, if that's it's a good hire. Like, let's like I'm excited. Like, because Avatar is obviously like the first two Avatar films are like perfection, right? So it's it's difficult yeah. for me to imagine James would have trusted his projects to to a bum writer. So I think this yes. is probably a good one. I agree. I agree. Um, and uh, you'll notice that uh, I think they had someone else writing the script originally, and they're kind of like. They're, they're having other people kind of take over and kind of rewrite it and kind of adjust things. So that's yeah. probably all part of the uh, quality control they're trying to. I put. also think this is um, a very particular scenario. I don't think they can mess this. They, they, they have the like the leeway to mess this up. I think if they mess this movie up, the Fantastic Four is like dead. Like, yeah, you know what I mean? Because like, they've, they've tried and they have failed. I, I'm one of the. You know, a minority. I really liked the like 2000s era Fantastic Four films. Okay. But but like they're not that good. But I like them enough. But like after Fan Four stick, they they need to hit this. So yeah, even if they weren't like complete, clearly like doing some things behind the scenes to make their projects more quality based over you know quantity based, I think this would be happening either way. Yes. Yes. Nonetheless, all all exciting. All exciting. Yeah, I'm happy. Next, we have the reveal that Emilia Clark is going to play Gia, Talos' daughter, in Secret Invasion. Nice. I was always wondering who she was going to play in, in that. Yeah. So. A lot of people are saying, oh, is she going to be Abigail Brand? A lot of people were kind of thinking that, but uh, I kind of yeah. like this, and I think... I'm happy with it. From what I understand, she might have, like, some superpowers, so... Uh, yeah, because some scrolls do have powers, so... Yes. Besides the fact that they could shapeshift, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yes, exactly. Um... <laughs> <laughs> yes, and they announced that the Secret Invasion will uh, be releasing on June 21st. So. Nice. We're also actually getting the trailer tonight. Yes. So they already released a trailer, but this is yeah. But we're getting a oh, trailer, like trailer. yeah, like a, like I think this is going to be their main trailer. You know what I mean? Like, there's always that like sneak peek preview, like like teaser. But I think this is going to be like yeah, the first like long winded tra- uh, trailer. For sure. For sure. Hope it uh, hope it gets my excitement. Yeah, me too. Um, next, I have Artie uh, Frushan uh, cast in Daredevil Born Again in an unknown role. So I'm not sure if you know the actor or not. but I don't. I'm Googling him. Okay. okay I do not know him. Basically. <laughs> okay. Yeah. I don't know. They're, I have no idea. they're right in the middle of like a 11 month shoot. So, hey. Yeah. Exciting. <laughs> yeah, that's that's going to be a good one, I think. <laughs> Absolutely. Next, uh, Liv Tyler returning as Betty Ross in Captain America New World Order. Interesting. I'm actually kind of glad they brought Liv back. Yeah. It's like... gonna be, it'll be weird, though, because basically everybody other than her and Abomination from that movie, from the original Incredible Hulk movie from uh, 2008, they're all been recast. recast. Or they passed away and had to be recast. Yes. Like, we're going to have a new Hulk, we're going to have a new <laughs> Thunderbolt Ross. So it's like, oh, God. I like yeah. her as an actress. I've always have. So, yeah, bring her back. Absolutely. And I think, did she came? Did she come back to voice Betty in What If? 
That's a good question. I'm not uh, sure. I think you might be right, but I actually never actually thought of looking into that one. But that's, okay. That's an interesting thought. Yeah. Okay. That was the episode with uh, with Hank Pym, right? Or yes. he was yes. killing all the Avengers. Okay. Yes, exactly. Episode two, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. Um, yeah. Either way, like, I I hope we get an interaction between her and Bruce. That I think that, that I would, would be love that. cool. Maybe like, and the thing is, it'll be just kind of almost weird. It's like <laughs> they don't really like we've never seen Mark Ruffalo's and Liv Tyler's characters together on the screen, so it's gonna be almost like no chemistry. But who knows? They might be have amazing chemistry. We'll we'll have to see. <laughs> yeah, we might get a uh, wow, you look different joke. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't put it past them. <laughs> oh god, you, look um, well, you don't. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Next, Lee Sung Jin uh, will write the script for Thunderbolts with a. Now, I believe they're set to start filming in June, early June. I believe he's been like on the. He's been on this for a while. Like I would this hope. isn't this isn't like oh he's starting next. He week. was hired Tuesday. He's writing the he's writing the <laughs> script in a two month period. Yes, and someone else wrote the original script. Um, and this is again another case of someone set to take over a screenwriter and kind of rewrite kind of parts of the script. Um, and apparently the the focus is going to be to make it less of a Black Widow two sequel and more of a like Thunderbolts team up movie. Thank God, because Black Widow two, I I would have been fine with it because you know it, it is what it is, and I also wanted yeah. to see. What, Just don't what call happened. it Thunderbolts. Like, no, exactly. I'm fine with a Black Widow do. two. Just don't call it Thunderbolts. Yeah, or like just like name it something else. Like Thunderbolts is a very popular team up of of comic anti heroes and heroes. So it's like you kind of you kind of do it justice. Like don't exactly. don't give us this. What, 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 what kind of felt like a Disney Plus almost project. Like I feel like a black like like a, mo- a movie about. Red Guardian, Ghost, like that doesn't feel like a like a a, a big movie that we need to see. So I, I hope they uh, they rewrite it and do it justice. Yes. Now, original the original plot of, of around it was going to be something like, um, I believe Val is putting a team together to to mine Adam- adamantium, if I'm not mistaken, on the corpse of Tiamat. Okay. I believe that was kind of that's going to be part of like. The plot it's going to be like a, a worldwide worldwide chase for adamantium which was discovered oh, okay. on the corpse of okay uh, tiamat the the eternal obviously that yes uh, or the uh the celestial uh that was uh frozen or stoned into the ground by uh cersei in eternals so so that uh, was going to be the way to introduce adamantium into the mcu yes okay leading up to eventually wolverine and you know the x-men Correct, correct. And obviously with uh, Val being in Wakanda Forever, trying to chase uh, Vibranium, ah, vibranium she, and not being able to chase Vibranium, now this new mineral shows up. She's like, oh, okay. look at this. You know, I, that doesn't sound bad. Like, to me, that doesn't sound that bad. Like, yeah. That's a decent plot. It, it's just, I think the issue with that might have been, you know, it's just random, maybe. Like, I, I don't know. Because we haven't seen, not even a mention about the celestial in the planet at all since Eternals. Like it hasn't even been shown anything. It hasn't been. There was a, it was shown in She-Hulk, but it was like a, it was like a, it was on like, uh, on Jennifer Walters screen. Oh, (laughs) as she was scrolling through the internet. I was not watching (laughs) because I did not see that, but yeah, I want it to be like a plot point though. So that makes sense, I guess for Thunderbolts, if they wanted to go that, but I, I think they will change that most likely for sure. Maybe we'll see. Yeah, um, was... next, uh, Demetrius uh, Gross cast as Grim Reaper in Wonder Man series. Badass character, yeah. 
Like that show is kind of, or it's a, yeah, it's a, it's a show. It's shaping up to be really interesting. Yeah. No, really, really interesting. Um, <laughs> man, they're really casting all these. Uh, apparently, Sasha Baron Cohen is playing uh, Mephisto. <laughs> yeah. Um. In uh, possibly Agatha and pos and possibly uh, Ironheart. If I'm not mistaken. Okay. Is it uh, Ironheart? That, um. Uh, I'm not sure when they were planning on bringing him, but yeah. I, I was, think it was. I think it was those two shows. I kind of heard about that. So okay. these types of characters are going to be like showing up more and more. Yes. Yeah, that makes sense. And isn't uh, Sasha Baron Corn? Wasn't he a fan cast as Mephisto, or was that something that people like was leaked and people were like, "Oh, that's you know, that's a good one." Because I remember during One Division, people were were talking about him playing Mephisto. Okay, yeah, maybe he was originally a fast fan cast, but I think like it's been. I'm not sure if it's been confirmed by a trade, but a lot of insiders have kind of said yes, he is playing Mephisto. Nice. So, um, cool. I believe that's as much as a confirmation as we're going to get until Marvel full out comes out and says, yeah, yeah he's playing, he's playing like it. Shows about a con or something. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So that's that's exciting. Next, I have uh, Karen Sony and Leslie Ugans returning as Dobinder in Blind Owl for D- Deadpool three. Good. I like the Deadpool movie universe and i wouldn't mind if they kept it kind of together because i know they've kind of like said like it's going to be kind of like an mcu-esque project because mobius is apparently going to be in it and stuff yep. but i'm glad they're keeping a lot of the originals like i hope they bring back negasonic as well i forgot the actress's name who plays her i wouldn't even mind if they brought back the same colossus like it's uh okay. it's a multiverse movie, right so yeah no they could do whatever the hell they want yeah <laughs> it's Deadpool. Keep it- they there's chemistry amongst that cast right like i'm so happy they got these two back for uh for Blind Al and Dopinder because these are uh, both those characters played like pretty good parts with Wade and I thought they they bounced really well off of uh, Ryan Reynolds's humor. Yes. Now don't yell at me. I still haven't seen the first two Deadpool. <laughs> so? Oh, okay. Well, you don't know what I'm talking about. <laughs> no idea, but I I I do need to I do need to watch them. Uh, they are good. They're they're popcorn movies. Like they're easy watching. They're quick. Uh, the first one's a lot better, but the second one was fine. Like they're they're good movies. I like them. Okay, the that's good. Kind of like, like, like Guardians, <laughs> where, where the second one was good, but it's not as good as the first one. And yeah, exactly. And apparently, the third one's gonna blow everyone's minds. So. That's exactly what it's gonna be because apparently, yeah, with 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 uh, Hugh Jackman coming back as Logan in the third one, like that's gonna be insane. And then obviously for Guardians, that that one's being touted as like game changingly good. So absolutely. And our last note of news: I have uh, Matthew McFadden from Succession. Love him in succession. Cast in Deadpool 3. Interesting. I so you said he's a good actor, yeah. Oh, he well, he won an Emmy for Succession. So, oh Jesus. Okay. Yes. Very good actor. Bring him on. Yes. He plays a he plays <laughs> he's one of my favorite characters in the show. He's he's amazing. So uh this is obviously very exciting. And uh he famously has a like a quote where he said like Anyone who goes into a, a superhero movie is like only doing it for the money. <laughs> oh God! So, so with this casting, there's a lot of people were saying, "Well, it's either one, he needs more money, or two, this role like really excited him." So, it's probably the second one, to be yeah. fair. Yeah, or it's a mix of both, right? They probably pay, do pay nicely. <laughs> oh yeah, dude, dude, Marvel Studios pays nicely, especially <laughs> for Deadpool three. Like that way, he's gonna make money. So yeah, he's getting money for Good sure. Part. Any other uh, comment from you, Stephen, on any of the news? 
you basically hit up on all the stuff that I've uh, I've noticed throughout the week. Yeah, no, I kept I kept like scrolling because <laughs> I, I look at the news on like uh, discussing film uh, Twitter. Account. Yeah, I love that Twitter account. <laughs> so I'm like just scrolling, like holy shit, there's a lot of a lot of Marvel yes. Studios stuff. So odd, almost like yes. it, just, it was like a drop for some reason. It was very interesting. For sure, for sure. All right, shall we get into my Your Honor season two review? Yeah, hit me with it. Okay. So this season is all about the repercussions for everyone's actions in season two of the show or season one of the show. Sorry. So there's uh, I'm going to kind of explain the first season a little bit and yeah, might please. be a little bit spoilery. So hope you don't mind. Um, so a I'm not sure I'm not sure you're going to watch the show anyways. So <laughs> who knows? But yeah, it hit me with that. I'm not worried. OK, sounds good. So uh, there's a chain of events uh, that began in episode one of season one um, that came to a close and finally kind of wrapped up at the end of season two. So the show began with uh, Michael Desiato, played by Brian Cranston, uh, his son accidentally killing the youngest son of the head of a mob king- kingpin, the Baxters in Louisiana. And on his way to turn his son in for accidentally killing the kid. He essentially realizes he sees the parents at the police station kind of crying and he realizes who his son killed and decides instead of bringing him in to try and cover it up uh, in the hopes of, I guess, sparing his son's life uh, (laughs) because he thinks uh, he thinks obviously the Baxters are going to come after him, obviously. Of course. Yeah. So um, he's friends with the mayor. Um, and the mayor has some ins with like another mobster called uh, the Desire Group. Um, so he asks the mayor to uh, get rid of his car, the car that was used to kill um, that kid. And so the mayor asks the Desire Group to take care of it, bring it to a scrapyard, whatever. And then Brian Cranston's character, who is a judge in the show, he essentially reports the car missing, but... He does it too early. So while the guy is gr- driving the car to like a scrapyard, he gets pulled over and gets essentially blamed for the killing. Oh, God. <laughs> yes. Um, <laughs> and then he gets put into prison for killing the guy. And the Baxters take out their revenge on that guy by killing him. <laughs> and Jeez. there's a war between the two, like the mob, the Baxters and the Desire Group. Um and then, uh, yeah, it's it's quite a it's quite a chain of events. They they extract their revenge on that guy's family by blowing up the home and everyone in it, except for the the youngest brother who was, or not the youngest brother, but like the middle brother who was out getting groceries at the time. And it creates a whole like cycle of like all because <laughs> all because Brian Cranston's character Michael didn't bring him in <laughs> so uh that all kind of uh, gets wrapped up um and uh, at the end of season one uh his his son actually dies in the final moments oh, well, Jesus. Um, meaning everything michael did was for nothing, for nothing. Yeah. yeah it was an accidental death like it was the the middle the middle brother of the surviving family went to shoot up the baxters yeah and he accidentally shot Michael Desiato's son, Adam. So, so, yeah, it's a hell of a show. Um, and then season two essentially wrapped up all those stories uh, uh, neatly. There's a prosecutor trying to bring down the Baxters. They're using Michael as an asset to infiltrate 
and uh, the young man who was the victim and lost his entire family in the first season. Um, they're using him as well because he's obviously a victim of the Baxters. So that's what season two is about. Obviously trying to bring down that mafia group. Uh, it's a very intense show with some very serious subject matters, uh, such as drugs, mafia, killing, corruption, fantastic storytelling by Peter Moffat, uh, acting by Brian Cranston, Lily Kay, Hope Davis, uh, Benjamin Flores Jr., uh, etc. Phenomenal throughout. Uh, just a very compelling and grabbing story. And season ends on a point where they could come back and do more if they wanted to. However, uh, it'd probably be more of like a different cast leading it, i.e. a spinoff. Uh, but, oh. but if it's a series ender, uh, it feels conclusive and satisfying. So good, good. second season. Uh, very good. Good. Uh, yeah. it's, it sounds like it actually like a really good, like like high stakes drama kind of style. And uh, Brian Cranston carries shows so well that it's like so a lot of people probably are watching it just because he's in it kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, no, I think a lot of people did watch the first season because of it. And they saw like the character was kind of similar to Walter White's character. Yes. So, um, yeah, definitely. Very good show. Highly recommend it. Nice. Yeah, it sounds good. Yes. And I'm going to do another quick little review here, if you don't mind. Yeah, um, I watched this movie yesterday and I thought, Fuck, this is a good movie. I'm going to review it. A new movie? <laughs> uh, yeah, it actually, it's a Disney Channel movie. Oh, okay. That released on the 30th, which was Thursday? Thursday, yeah. So it released uh, the 30th on <laughs> Disney Channel, and then the next day on Disney+. Plus. I watched it on Disney+. Plus. Um, so it's a young adult kind of rom-com. Okay. Um, and I think it's like literally one of the best ones I've seen in a very long time, so... Mandy, played by Peyton Elizabeth Lee and Ben Plunkett, a uh, hell of a name, played by uh, Milo Manheim, <laughs> are seniors in high school. Uh, they're best friends, and they're both kind of considered out- outcasts. Uh, they never go out. They spend most weekends kind of going to the bookstore. They have the same routine. They go to a bookstore, they go to see a movie, and then they go have waffles at like a diner. Mandy is not into the school spirit whatsoever, and Ben kind of feels like he's kind of missing out on the high school experience because of it. Um, and so he's like really trying to convince her to go to prom and stuff, and uh, kind of gets mad at her <laughs> while they're having waffles one night. And this movie kind of starts off at the point where it took some time, but Mandy asks Ben to prom, and they make essentially their prom pack the story gets kicked into high gear when Mandy gets waitlisted for Harvard and her dream, that's her dream school. Um, she then begins to tutor uh, the basketball captain, Graham, to try and get a written recommendation letter from his father, who is a Senator and a Harvard alumni. Interesting. Uh, yeah. Uh, ben, meanwhile, is finally kind of making moves on the girl he's had a crush on forever named uh, Latoya. It's a whole plot point. Her name is Latoya Reynolds, and they call her by her full name the whole movie. Jesus, it's Latoya why? Reynolds. It's Latoya Reynolds. Oh my god. <laughs> Anyways, it's it's kind of a funny uh, plot point, but uh, things obviously get complicated from there uh, on, and their friendship gets tested uh, with both of them falling for Graham and Latoya, uh, respectively. I honestly think like this is one of like I previously mentioned there it's one of the best young adult rom-coms i've seen at least since like the i know i've, I've talked about it before but the two all the boy movies yeah uh, i think it's the best one since those ones wow um acting is really good chemistry between the actors was like off the charts like the friendships and the the relationships 
really, really good. Had some typical tropes that in mo- these movies usually have, but very enjoyable. Story was great. Didn't drag on, was to the point. Uh, used its entire 100-minute runtime perfectly, and I highly recommend it because it was very, very good. Yeah, it sounds like you really enjoyed it. Yes. I spent my Saturday watching a rom-com. Yes, I did. That- <laughs> yeah, no, I, I highly recommend it. And, like, dude, Ben was, like, pathetically in love with LaToya. <laughs> he was so pathetic. Like, he could not talk in around her. Jeez. Or act normally. <laughs> I, I think we've all been there at one point in our lives when we had a crush on someone. Yes, exactly. But I thought it was like, it was really, really good. And uh, yeah, like I said, highly recommend it. If you're into rom-coms, uh, even if it is like, you, you might think, oh, it's a stupid Disney Disney Channel movie or whatever. It is not. It is very good. Hey, they release some bangers sometimes. And this might be one of them. Yes, they do. High School Musical is a banger. Let it shine. Banger. Did you ever see Leonard Chan? I don't think I have, though. It's uh, basically it's like a movie about like a young man who wants to become a rapper, basically. Okay. It's, uh, it's uh, Everybody Hates Chris uh, Noah there from The Walking Dead. He's, he oh, plays the- okay, okay. Uh, it's, a, it's a really good one. I actually highly recommend you watch it. Okay, cool. Yeah, it's, it's a little older. I think it's from like the late 2000s, like early 2010s, maybe. Really, really good. I, I liked it a lot. Nice, nice. Maybe I, maybe I'll give it a shot. Um, any other comment from you on those uh, two reviews? No, uh, they sound good though. Like, like that's the thing. It's like I, you review these like projects. I would never like like go out of my way to watch, and it's like they always sound really good. Yes. I don't know if you're, you're easy to please or if these are just really that good. <laughs> yeah, maybe I'm hyping them up too much, and you'll watch them and you'll be like, Jesus Christ, this was awful. He just likes everything. <laughs> Literally, but but I don't. I think you know. I think no, you know. definitely, definitely not. No, I, I respect your opinion, so I'm just mostly just kidding around right now. <laughs> Absolutely. All right, so let's uh, take a quick break, and then when we return, we'll be back with our Mando season three episode five review and our review of the Bad Batch season two in its entirety. And we are back with our review of the Mandalorian chapter twenty one the pirate synopsis the people of navarro need protection from rampant pirate attacks nice i i woke up early that day and i went to look at the episode name and the synopsis it literally just said episode five mandalorian (laughs) oh really updated it yet (laughs) because it was really early it was like 7 a.m so i guess they didn't update it yet yeah i'm curious like this does the name of the episode maybe not show up early in the day i don't know it did say, it literally also like the, the title of the episode was just episode five so okay yeah so you're probably correct unless okay. it was just a mistake on this week i'll have to look next week just for fun maybe maybe anyways so uh <laughs> so this episode begins on navarro with a uh, high magistrate carga doing some leading stuff he's just you know seeing what type of robe he could wear to the next ball um, when Gorian Shard, Pirate King, begins an attack on Navarro, they exchange a brief, brief little talk, and then Carga uh, <laughs> quickly begins an evacuation of the city and its people and sends a distress message to uh, Captain Teva, which we've met in previous seasons. Interesting start to the episode. I, like, I was like, I was kind of happy they brought those pirates back because I was like, it felt like 
they might have just written them off or like they would have just left it in the past. But yeah. I'm glad they, it's they're bringing them back with the you know swamp thing being their leader. <laughs> for sure, for sure. A swamp thing. <laughs> That's what he looks like. <laughs> yeah, he does. Um, <laughs> so we then cut to uh, Captain Tava receiving that message in a what I imagine is a New Republic outpost of some kind. Uh, we get a very quick cameo from our man Zeb. Man, did he look good! He looked amazing. Hey, eh? like like people, that might be the best looking uh, Rebels to screen adaptation. Uh, like that, it looked incredible. Yeah. No, he looked fucking phenomenal, and it was only a quick uh, cameo, but man, it was good to good to see him. Um, Captain Captain Teva then leaves uh, to go request help from his higher ups in the New Republic, and uh, Zeb wishes him luck, knowing how unlikely he is to get that help. Yeah, um, it was just it's nice too they got Steve Blum to voice him again, because yeah, do you he... know if he's in the suit as well or if it's someone else? Maybe I, that I'm not sure, but. Uh, he de- he definitely did the voice because that was that was Zeb's voice, and that's yes. all the only reason I could confirm that it was him because obviously he didn't have his uh, uh, iconic outfit and staff weapon on him, so you couldn't really tell if that was him. It could have been just a regular Lasat, but no, that was that was Zeb, definitely Zeb. Yes. Uh, so we then meet uh, Colonel Tuttle, uh, an official who would love to honor Captain Teva's wishes, uh, but uh, the New Republic and come to Navarro's aid, but um, they just don't have the manpower, apparently. And as for Teva's theory that something fishy is going on in the Outer Rim, and that it may be related to Moff Gideon, that apparently just seems unlikely, according to him. Elia is also there, kind of discouraging any type of intervention, but he'd probably come to the same conclusion without her input. Anyways. Also, Navarro never really signed a charter with the New Republic, so... They're not uh, part of them, so... Exactly. Yeah. They already have some sort of backlog. Um, and I'm honestly, I'm pretty sure a lot of this storyline was supposed to be a part of the Rangers of the New Republic TV show. That's you know, what? Now, that's that. now yeah. been canceled and is simply being integrated into other shows. So, yeah, it's funny, though. The colonel is too busy eating people. That's why he didn't want to come help. Literally. <laughs> I ran away. I was like, I did, you know, the, you know, the Leo DiCaprio meme where he points at the screen. Hey, hey, hey. Yeah. Right, away, right when I saw him, I was like, oh, my God. Brooklyn Night Night. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Uh, fucking it's, fucking it, hell. And there's just something about Ilya that rubs me the wrong way. <laughs> like she I don't know if like I I'm starting to really get a vibe that she is an imperial character. Yeah, but, I like, think she is as well. But wow, like she just she gives me the the goosebumps almost. Like she she's playing the role so well. Yeah. Um, so I, I guess one of the greatest unaddressed questions of the sequel trilogy is why did a new Republic last for less than a human lifetime? Because they're garbage. A kid born 10 years before the events of Return of the Jedi, uh, wouldn't even be particularly deep into the middle age by the time Ray and Finn started hanging out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, so what went wrong, right? Like the season keeps coming up with a single answer. Essentially it's bureaucracy. They are bad. <laughs> yes. Like um, they're basically just the Empire 2.0. Like, yeah. and it's what's funny is that's going to create the Empire 2.0, the official Empire 2.0, the First Order. I would assume throughout the, the this the storyline. So it's yeah, it's ridiculous. It's what essentially led like Doctor Pershing, <laughs> I guess, a truly reformed ex-Imperial to pursue his yes. research uh, through extra legal means, and it's what allowed Ilya Kane to essentially hide in plain sight uh, after what I'm assuming at this point. 
uh, faking her way through Imperial rehabilitation. I, I would assume based on everything that they've been showing us. So, yeah. So, with uh, some inside intel, courtesy of R5-D4, Deva shows up at the remote Mandalorian covert asking for help. Uh, thanks to past help, Din assures that Teva at least has an audience and offers a sympathetic ear to his the- uh, theory about all the weird coincidental happenings in the Outer Rim. Message delivered, and then Teva takes off, essentially, leaving Din to make a case uh, for a Mandalorian uh, intervention on Navarro. And for what may be in the Mandalorian's best entrance, uh, interest, since Karga offered him a plot of Navarran land. Uh, perhaps it's time for us to live in the light once again on a planet where we are welcome so our culture can flourish and our children can feel what it's like to play in the sunlight. Very good speech by Din. I know it was. A speech, uh, thanks to the support of his frenemy turned plain old friend, Paz Vizla, wins the Mandalorians over and they head over to Navarro to help. Nice. I'm starting to feel like Navarro is going to be like the Tatooine of the Mandalorian, you know, like Tatooine is like yes. the center of the Star Wars universe. I feel like Navarro is the center of the Mandalorian's universe. I agree. I feel like that makes sense. Uh, so, commanded by Bo-Katan, they are off to Navarro. Shard's pirates have made a mess of Navarro, drunkenly stumbling about the town and terrorizing the locals. Uh, but they spring into action when the Mandalorians arrive. Uh, Bo-Katan's strategy proves to be a solid one that finds Mandalorians holding their own in the air and on the ground. In a sequence of urban warfare, we even get to see the armor in action again. Some pretty cool action sequences and VFX all around with the flight aerial combat. It's a humiliating defeat for Shard. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And uh, Vane, one of Shard's top lieutenants, uh, flees rather than going down with the ship. Yeah, uh, you you met, you said it like the, the aerial combat this season, and I, I keep mentioning it every week, and I'm kind of like sick of mentioning it because it's probably like, <laughs> but man, it's so well done. Yeah, it looks, it looks amazing. It's almost like they, they know that they're doing a good job with it. They're like, we're going to give you one every episode. <laughs> <laughs> Literally. They're like, we know what we're doing here. You're going to have another one next week. <laughs> For sure. No, it, it's been really well done, and it, it looks all amazing. So so we then see uh, Karga offer the Mandalorians a plot of land and a home uh, away from home, I guess. Do you know, like, Navarro, is that, like, near the Mandalorian system? I have no I'm idea. I'm not sure. Navarro is a new planet they okay. it in the Mandalorian, so... I'm not 100% to be completely honest with you. Okay, okay. But it's in the Outer Rim, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, that, so. Well, yes. Yeah, I yes. would assume, based okay. on where, where we're going in this, yeah. Fair enough, fair enough. Uh, so the armorer uh, asks for a private audience with a Bo-Katan. Both remember the Great Forge of Mandalore, but the armorer observes that uh, the humble ruined uh, Forge of Navarro has served the same purpose and will serve it again. That point kind of isn't lost on Bo-Katan as the armorer's speech continues and the armorer suggests that Bo-Katan, like the Forge, can be used to keep Mandalorian flame alive. The armorer also proposes an unorthodox approach to shoring up the Mandalorian orthodoxy. Bo-Katan seeing the Mandalorian, or the Mythosaur, sorry, uh, is a sign that the New Age is upon us and that Bo-Katan, having walked in both worlds, is just the Mandalorian uh, the need to help usher in that new age by bringing in more who have strayed from the way into the Mandalorian fold. 
Yeah, this is probably like the exact way that Bo wanted it to go. To be honest, like like yeah. using this manpower to reunite Mandalore. I'm sure she's like, yeah, let's go, and I can take my helmet off. Hell yeah! <laughs> yes, I can finally take it off. <laughs> oh, um, yeah, I, I love the way this is going. Like uh, the story's like it's. I finally feel like I know where we're going. Where with the next little bit, so it's 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 awesome, and I, I really like how Paz Vizsla. Like I mentioned this last week, how they're him and the Mandalorian are starting to feel less like ominous villains, like they're they're actually starting to feel like allies. So it's it's, it's a really well written. Yeah, I, I've been enjoying it. Really quick moment, but uh, but when Bo Katan walks out without her helmet, and uh, the armor is kind of explaining that Bo can, you know, she's walked both paths, she can unite us, blah blah blah. Paz actually looks looks to Din for approval. And yeah, Din, Din is like shaking his nods. head, like yeah. yes, and and then Paz is like, okay, yeah, this is okay. <laughs> I noticed that, which is a really nice touch. Like, I just I really like the character building that they've been doing with the, with, sure. the, with those people the last sure. season. There's some respect there now. There is, and it's, it's making it more entertaining, to be honest. Absolutely. So as the uh, episode ends, Teva, Captain Teva, comes upon a wrecked shuttle that has fallen victim to an attack. Uh, meant to extract somebody. Um, and though the details are classified, Teva's detective work leads him to conclude it was most likely, and it was, <laughs> Moff Gideon who was whisked away. Uh, what's more, the wreck contains traces of Beskar. Another very good episode. Hell yeah. And it, like I said, like this episode ends where I finally feel like I know where we're going. Like it doesn't feel like as much of a mystery. Like we kind of see, we see the cookie crumbs that we're going to be following. So yeah, it was a really good episode. Um, and it started off, I was like, oh, we're not going to see Mando this week. I was <laughs> right over here. I'm going to see Mando this week. And it actually worked out really well. Yeah, no, I think I think the way they went about it worked really, really well. And the way to use like Navarro to like find them a new home and Bo's arc is like super, super interesting. Oh, it is. Um, and <laughs> obviously her now uh, going out and prob- she's probably going to go out on her own, right? Or do you think I, she's going to bring a team her with Din, her? Maybe her and Din. Yeah, maybe. Maybe. I oh. feel like they're not just going to write her out of the show. And if they do, I feel like if she does leave on her own, we're probably going to have an episode with just her. Yeah, right? I feel like that would make most sense. Her, Din, and Grogu just... Yes, going to... Going find, to find more Mandalorians. Probably going to bring back Koska Reeves and uh, Axe Wolf from the first season. Uh, or okay. second season, sorry. Her uh, her two allies from uh, yeah season two, I could see that being one option, right? Because they they are they're kind of missing. Yep. Um, and then it's like you could also like there's like they might go to Boba. That's an option because Boba is technically Mandalorian. They have a lot of options there, and you know I think I don't think we're gonna it's gonna be one of those situations where Bo leaves and we don't see her anymore. Like I think she's too integral. I don't think they're gonna write her out of the show at this point. No, I agree. I agree. Um, and perhaps her dream of reclaiming Mandalore uh, haven't been thwarted, as she once believed. Oh, definitely but not. simply redirected at this point, right? Yes. It even feels like the, like the armor wants her to rule Mandalore. So it's it's, it's very yeah. interesting. And uh, yeah, I think it's really interesting. Another awesome plot I really liked here was the one with uh, Captain Tiva in this episode. One thing I will say, though, is don't get too attached to that character because the way they're writing it, he is uncovering way too many integral and important secrets to the grand scale of Star Wars. He's definitely going to bite the dust, in my opinion. Too late. What's that? It's too late. What's I've already late? become attached. Yeah, I mean, too. <laughs> uh, the, the guy who plays him, he was Mr. Kim in Kim's Convenience, and I fucking loved that show. So that's why I'm like, oh, he's such a good actor. And it's like... He plays the character so well and with such charm that I'm like, ah, oh, fuck, I already like him. And yeah, he's definitely dead. Like, 
I'm already seeing his tombstone in the distance. <laughs> he's been in. Was he in season one? I forget. Uh, beginning of season two, I'm fairly certain when he's he. Um, yeah, saved, the spider, uh, the spider one, yeah, on the, uh, the ice spider one. Yeah, he saved yeah. him. And another, uh, it was actually Dave Filoni, the other one, uh, it, it, with his wolf insignia helmet. It was yeah, them two. They came up and saved Mando at the in, with the Razor Crest, yes. and then he was also in uh, Book of Boba Fett. Yeah, it's Book of Boba Fett in that one. So I, I really like the character. Um, like I said, but like yeah, he's he's uncovering way too much important stuff that it's like it's rubbing me the wrong way to the point where I'm just like he is so dead. Because if he wouldn't, if he doesn't die, I don't know what's gonna happen. Because he, wouldn't he out them? Like the the, the further it gets, like I yeah. feel like. But who knows? Um, what'd you think of the the end of the episode with the uh, with the Beskar in the uh, Imperial shuttle? Yeah, th- so that's super interesting. Is that Moff Gideon kind of toying with the Mandalorians, planting some Beskar there, or is that a Sept uh, Mandalorians uh, kind of freeing him? I see. That's my. That was my question too. I did a little bit of like, just like, just internet. Like I was watching videos. People were talking about it. Apparently, people think it's the Imperial Super Commandos who are uh, Mandalorians uh, who are loyal to the, the Empire. We saw them in Rebels. Okay. Uh, and apparently, people think it's them who saved him and they freed him to help uh, further the Empire's um, plans. I don't know to be honest. It could go either way. But if they do Imperial Super Commandos, it's very. Um, thematic to well we're getting sabine soon and you know we just saw zeb like they're using rebels concepts so yeah, yeah i could see that being an option so if if did and bo go off and with grogu to uh meet more mandalorians is that where maybe we get a sabine quick cameo i think before, there's that before I'll... uh ahsoka i think that's an option i also think remember when i mentioned you fen rao a few weeks ago i think that's where we're probably going to see him as well okay that is a known ally, right? So Bose might go see him. Like, I, if that is the route they go, uh, yeah, I, I do agree, though. We will probably see Sabine in a brief. Like, we'll probably just see her. Like, oh, yeah. Hey, Bo. Um, yeah, I don't want to get disappointed in not seeing her because like, there's literally no confirmation. So I don't want to hype myself up. Yes. But even like, if Sabine doesn't show up, I will. Yeah, I will stop <laughs> Star Wars. Yeah, like, you know so, what I mean. <laughs> and like, like, like I just said, like we know she's coming. It's not like one of these situations where we were kind of like season two of Mandalorian. We were like, oh, I hope we see Boba Fett. And it's like it wasn't confirmed, so yeah. like we know we're going to be seeing Sabine in the Ahsoka show. That's fully confirmed. So yeah. if we don't see her, we don't see her. I do want to see Fenrao though. That is what I would really like to see. Yes, and I feel like it would really make sense too. Like, like I feel like Sabine and Ahsoka are together at this point. So if we do get a quick cameo, it's a good way to like to to tease that show and be yeah. like, let's say they show up, they say, hey, do you want to join us? And Sabine's like, actually, we got our own kind of mission yeah. we're doing right now. And then that's a good way of saying, oh, okay, that's what the Ahsoka show is going to be. That's you know, why we already know what the Ahsoka show is going to be about. Yes. First. But it's a Look, good way to tease the casuals into watching that show. Yes. It's also a, a way to write her out of this story. Like, why isn't Sabine helping with this Mandalorian stuff? Oh, well, she's busy taking care of stuff with. Yeah. Bron- she's she's okay. looking for Ezra. Yeah. Like, with so. Ahsoka. No, I think that's a good, that's a really good option. Like, and also, like, I do think we're going to be seeing Moth Gideon in the next week or two. Like, Giancarlo is going to come back. And, oh, for sure. Uh, and, I'm so happy because I, I fucking love Giancarlo and you know that. So I can't wait to see more of him in, in that role. Cause the thing is too, like this is a very relevant character now. Like you're, you're writing him to the point where he is integral to the plot to get to the first order. So For sure. Can't, you can't get it, write him out of the show after two seasons. Like you nope. keep him in there and let's, let's get, let's get going. Like, and an actor like Giancarlo Esposito, like, you don't, you don't with, put him in every episode. 
<laughs> make him play five different Mandalorians. I don't care. Yeah, the thing is, is you literally don't need him in every episode. And no, I don't. Exactly. Menacing. And he's, st- he's still menacing, and he's still like stealing, s- stealing like scenes and stealing like storylines because he's that interesting. Like he's not even in the story yet, like physically. And I'm like, he's I'm still intimidated. Like you know, like they they rescued <laughs> him. Like holy fuck! Like this guy's nuts. Yeah, <laughs> I can't wait. Yeah, me too. Me too. Uh, the Mandalorians, obviously, they have a new and familiar kind of home as they were there beforehand. Yes, right? they were in season one. So, but now I'm assuming they they don't have to hide and they oh. they have like a bigger plot of land now. So, yes, it's gonna be nice too because it's like I feel like we're we're building like this we're we're starting to plant those seeds of like Mandalore rising again. Like this, like we always kind of were, but like this really feels like it. Like they're finally they're they're finally gonna be organized. They're finally gonna have like a base of operations. Now they've got something to push forward for with the with the Mythosaur being involved and you know the dark sabers in control in the hands of a Mandalorian. So there's lots to there's lots there like to be hopeful for that they're gonna rise again as a society. For sure. For sure. What do you think happens uh, next week? Uh, I, I'm wondering now if we're going to be seeing next week either the continuation of uh, Captain Tava's storyline or if we're going to be seeing Bo, uh, Bo leave. I think it's one or the other next week. I think it might be the... I think we're going to see Bo leave. I think we're going to be seeing the start of her searching for other like-minded Mandalorians. I think that's probably going to be next week's plot. Okay. But I, I think the flip side of the coin could be we'll see Moff Gideon, like I just mentioned. We'll probably see him soon. And we might see more of that, uh, the the New Republic, you know, storyline uh, with... Uh, with uh, the captain and with uh, I forgot the girl's name, Elia. <laughs> Elia, yes. Uh, so I think that it's one or the other, in my opinion. How about you? What are you thinking? I, I'm I'm feeling it could be a mix of all all of those things. Yes. Yeah, um, I feel like like episodes. It just they're better when they're not bottle episodes. You know what I mean? Like in yeah. the season. Like I, I I hate when we like solely focus on one thing. Right. It's it's it depends how interesting the plot is, but yeah, yeah. I do because it do. feels like no time has passed. Like you could have like three consecutive episodes, uh, where like no time has passed, but it's just from a different perspective. Yeah, <laughs> right? and I feel like those kind of episodes suck. Ask like yeah. where like so slow. Um, we season only have... seven, episode six. Yeah, seven, Steven. Yeah, I forgot about season seven. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but we've got uh, what three episodes left this season? Season three, uh, five, yes. six, or six, seven, eight. That's it. Six, seven, eight. Yeah. Okay, well, it's clear we're not. This isn't the last season, right? Like they they're starting, they're planting so much stuff. No, that uh, John's already written season four. That's what so. I mean. But like, like we we know this is gonna last a while. Like we, yeah. it, it's really like it's starting to feel like it's gonna be a longer show. But no, this 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 season has been like giving us banger after banger. I think we've, there's only been one episode that I was like, this is eh. You know, the rest were like really really good to good. Yes, which is impressive. To I honest. agree. I agree. Anything, uh, anything else you'd like to say? Yeah, you you feel we maybe need to mention for the Mandalorian chapter twenty one review? No, uh, I do hope that we do uh, we do end up getting somewhere again. You know, you mentioned the defective or defecting, sorry, uh, pirate lieutenant. Uh, I hope we see that storyline, you know, come to fruition later on somehow. Yes, I think I had a note on that. Oh, yes, I did. I forgot to mention it. Thanks for reminding me, Stephen. Yeah, thank you. So we don't know yet where he's heading, where Vane's heading, right? Yes. But, like, do you think he's kind of going to go to Moff Gideon? Like, was he, because he was the one who initiated kind of a a little bit of a feud on Navarro. Interesting. Um, okay. So do you think, like, that was a, a Moff Gideon plot? 
kind of, and he's kind of working for Moff Gideon. So maybe he's returning to Moff Gideon. That's possible. Um, interesting. I didn't think of that. Uh, <laughs> you kind of got me off guard there. Oh, uh, sorry. <laughs> no, it's just like I, I really didn't think of it as an imperial storyline. I actually kind of thought of it maybe as like a like a grief karga storyline because it, it kind of okay. feels like, like that's more like a grief karga antagonist. So I was wondering like maybe he'll show up later. Maybe he's gonna, you know, give grief a moment of uh, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, be the hero or maybe even he'll injure him or or you know who knows like for sure. But like. Like Moff Gideon obviously knows that uh, Grief and Mando are close, and so if he sends Vane to go, you know, do some shit on uh, exactly. I, I on, on Navarro, then you know he probably knows there's a good chance Din would come and kind of help him yeah. out. You're right. I, I I didn't think of it that way. So yeah, that's something I think that could possibly be written in for sure. I think that's hey. a good. Point. It could, it could it might it might not even be close to that either. You know? No, who knows? But he's we, going back to Hondo or something. Yeah, yeah. Hey, hey. you're speaking my language now. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so I think we'll we'll end it there for Mandalorian. You think that's good? Yeah, that's perfect. All right, so let's jump into Bad Batch season two. Obviously, a very good season of uh, of Bad Batch. I think we both kind of said over the past few weeks that we've really enjoyed it. Um, as I've said many times before, uh, like this show for me is like if clone wars had no filler episodes or no like you know bad arcs yeah like like <laughs> it's funny cuz you say that like no filler episodes but like if you look online and like you know just like basic reviews and stuff you could see a lot of people find there's a lot of filler in the bad batch which i find odd cuz i don't find there's very much at all no i think it's all really interesting and people maybe just don't know the <laughs> definition of a filler episode I know, right? Like the first season had a little bit more, like where you could be like, oh, "This is fluff and filler," but it wasn't like it was important. But it just felt like because they first season had this like almost like 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 theme of like, "Oh, they're going on side quests," whereas this season felt a little bit more like like there was a central plot and they were doing stuff around around the plot. Um, yeah, no, I agree. I agree. Um, I love Omega's development this season. Oh, um, that's one of the best parts, actually. It's, yeah. I think it's something that like's always been a really strong strong point for uh, uh, Star Wars animation has been the development of their characters, uh, probably because we get to spend more time with them and over a longer period of time, to be honest with you. Right. Another big part of that is these are Dave's original characters and this is his shows. So yeah. he could do whatever he wants. And I think he really loves putting that extra bit of detail and love into these new characters. Like, She's getting to the point where it's like if they do five or six seasons of Bad Batch, which I, I don't think they will that long, but who knows? Uh, Omega is going to end up being so well written, people are probably going to look at her similar to like Ahsoka or like you know yep. like, a, like an Ezra. People are going to be like, "Wow, this is an incredibly written character," and she's already on pace. So, I agree. I agree. Uh, now we didn't get a lot of crosshair this season, but Not I'm assuming that may change in season three. Uh, yeah. Basically, they've written it to the point like where the finale feels like we're probably going to see him a fuck ton because whenever you see <laughs> Omega, you're probably going to be seeing him. Yeah. So, and you know, yeah, we didn't see much of him and that's a shame. Cause he, I think he, he, like his episodes are like so, probably the best episodes of the season. Yep. But uh, no, that they've written it. So it's like, yeah, we didn't get a much of him this season, but they basically like forced it onto us that it's like, he's going to be in a lot of episodes next season and important episodes. For sure. For sure. Now, before I continue, um, this is a spoiler warning, uh, if it was not obvious already. Yeah, um, <laughs> on this whole podcast where we spoiled everything. We're literally. Be 
before. <laughs> exactly. Um, so we had the Sid betrayal at, at the end of the season where she turned our group into the Empire. Yep. Um, we lost Tech in a very emotional moment in the finale. Uh, very well done. I'm uh, honestly surprised they didn't start playing the Vormir theme. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Like, and... I feel like I jinxed that because I remember literally like a week ago, I was like, who's your favorite character? And you're like, oh, you know, I like Omega. And I was like, oh, I mean, it's tech. <laughs> I was like, Jeez. I should have never, never said that. I you should have never said, said that. Said yeah. <laughs> Fuck. I got jinxed. Yeah. Plan 99. When do we ever follow orders? Man. It, what so an much. emotional moment, dude. Oh, it, it, I knew he was going to die, though. Like, it, was, it didn't surprise me, but it was just like, man. And Wrecker's trying to hold on to the thing, and it's like, ah, why are they doing this to us? Like, but like why? Omega reaching oh, out, clone. Omega reaching out with her hand as the thing was gone to tr- like, oh my god, it was gut wrenching. Oh, and Hunter had to hold it all together because he's the leader, so it's just like, oh god, like it, yeah. it was so well done. They all had their own reactions to it. Um, so you think he's dead? Yes. Like you, you don't think that it's a oh, no body, no death situation? Well, I mean, never say never, but like it dude. could be. And the reason I think it could be is look at Echo in season in, in the Clone Wars, right? He, he oh, was that's, dead. That's a fucking fall and a half, man. But they rewrote Echo. Like Echo was dead. They rewrote it to bring him back. So I think he's dead. I want him to be dead, not because I don't like him, but because it was a perfect moment. Yeah. It ended season two well. And also that brings up a big, big, big issue for the batch because i think tech was the one who was carrying the team he was the problem solver he's yeah. the he's the intellectual he's the one who was getting them out of a lot of most of their jams like obviously they they all do their own purpose but like he was the one basically like oh we're in this imperial shuttle hey tech do your thing or like you know what i mean yeah. so i feel like losing the brains of the operation is going to be hurting them big time next season like and, they're going to be down several members of the group at this point yeah and they've shown us like through the first two seasons that tech is kind of like emotionless at time at times yeah. but like obviously the, the one moment i think of is that moment that omega fell in the cave and he like did not even hesitate he just jumped yes after I, I, her that was, like that was a great moment and what's funny is a lot of those moments happened with with him this season, and I, that's why I was like, he's probably going to be the one to die. I, yeah. I kind of missed it, uh, but like going into this episode, it is interesting though because we're going into next season where uh, there's no Omega in the group, there's no Crosshair in the group, and there's no Tech in the group. So they're at, like the weakest we've ever seen, just Hunter, Wrecker, and Echo. Mm-hmm. So, so like this is going to be interesting. Obviously, they're probably like my like we'll go into what we think is going to happen in a minute, but like obviously they're going to get help. So that's yeah. that is that's what it is. Um, so you think this guarantees a season three? <laughs> uh, yeah, I think that would be a, a very so. good assumption. Could you um, imagine they never did it? They never did a season three. I would actually stop watching Star Wars. It's like, it's it's like Clone Wars getting canceled at the end of season five. Like I, I'd be feeling <laughs> <laughs> the end of season five. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Just like that. Just like that. Uh, but man, no. Uh, I, so would you say season two is better than season one? Yes. You are right. <laughs> oh, thank you. I appreciate that. It is so much better. I will say the season one premiere, though, is the best episode of Bad Batch so far. But season two is a better show, like, overall. Like, the plot was great. The st- like, there was underlying themes, like I said. Like, they were they were teasing the, the Sid betrayal. They were teasing the crosshair yeah. uh, defection from the Empire. They were teasing tech passing away. They were teasing all kinds of stuff. And there was a lot of hidden storylines here that feel, like, so important I keep saying important to the grander scheme of Star Wars, but it's because we've been getting so much side stuff, I find, with Star Wars over the last, like, 
five years that it's kind of nice to see like these these plot points in these shows and and stuff that feel like this this matters to the skywalker saga for sure i agree um so we obviously uh uh, omega gets uh captured at the end um essentially uh turns herself in to i guess free the other clones right yeah Uh, or give them a shot to get free um we learn at the end that omega has a sister or uh, i guess more specifically a clone with the same genes with but with accelerated growth like all the other clones that's gonna play an interesting plot next season as well yeah and uh echo uh, hunter echo and wrecker will not stop until they get her back nala say now has essentially a motive to help Help. clone the emperor yeah with with uh with hemlock next season uh any predictions just like Rod, like you're, not, you're obviously they're gonna save Echo or Omega at some point. Sorry, but yes, like, I think just we like, may get a time jump in between season yeah, two okay. and three. Um, and then I'm assuming it's gonna be like 16 episodes again, and maybe the first half will be trying to get Omega back. Yes, like I think we're gonna be doing a lot of this bouncing back and forth between the three members of the batch and then Crosshair and Omega. Like, I think there's gonna be a lot of Crosshair and Omega storylines, yeah, together. And then we're gonna go back to Hunter, Wrecker, and Echo. And I think I think to... I think Crosshair will rejoin the group in season three. Oh, he will. That's another it, prediction it's I kind of have. Yeah, he he's already basically said like I'm done with the Empire. Like he he the thing is with with him, it, I think they really built considering he didn't have much screen time. I think his character development this season was was just as good as ever. Like basically, you realize he wasn't loyal to the Empire because it was the Empire. He was loyal to the Empire because it was what he knew. And, you know, he's a soldier. But the thing is, they were not respecting clones. And, you know, he, it wasn't what he was loyal to anymore. So he kind of realized, like, you know, like, this I, this isn't what I'm loyal to. So, like, I'm loyal to my brothers is what I'm actually loyal to. So it's I like the way they wrote it. Like, I don't know. Maybe I'm reading it wrong. I think that's the way that, <laughs> that's the way they wrote it. But no, I'm, I'm liking the way that they, they're writing his character. Like, I feel like he is redeemed already. Like, I don't feel like, oh, well, you're an Imperial. Like, no, like, that's that's one of the, that's one of our brothers. Like, let's yes. get him back. <laughs> like fuck i and i i think they need him too like losing tech like i think they need to bring him in to you know fortify their strength i agree now correct me if i'm wrong do we know if omega is force sensitive or something like that she's not from what i'm aware but uh she is a altered clone so we don't know what her abilities are like okay because she i don't know if they teased I think they were teasing something in season one of her, like almost like being like force sensitive or something. Like she had, she okay. has, she has some sort of power. So I'm, we maybe we get something like that in season three as well. I um, kind of hope she's not force sensitive, but if she is, it would be kind of neat. I or like some sort of confirmation or or whatever with her being at the lab, um, and her being closer to Nala Se, who obviously created her. She's definitely maybe. unique. Like it's not, yeah, it's not just oh, just she's just a, a female Django clone that's got yeah. no accelerated growth. Like there's something about her. So, yeah, maybe we'll get more confirmation about her backstory and how she became yeah. or how she came to exist. Exactly. Guess, if that makes sense. Um, no, I'm really excited to see where uh, where this goes uh, in season three and and on. And uh, I'm quite certain uh, they'll be confirming season three at uh, Star Wars Celebration oh, next weekend. So, yes, please do it. Um I, I I said this before and I'll say it again. I think this show is on pace to be better than Rebels for me. Okay, interesting. I think if they can do the same amount of content uh and they keep up this pace of in- interesting storylines and good character building, yeah, I think this is going to probably be my second favorite animated show. Okay. Star Wars. Makes sense. I'm Makes loving sense. it. I'm, I'm loving it. Yeah, no, I I'm really enjoying it as well. I think the reason why I 
actually have Rebels as my favorite show is that Clone Wars and Bad Batch are both about clones. Yeah. That's, Whereas that's... Rebels is about <laughs> like a is this could be argued because Ahsoka is kind of the pseudo main character of Clone Wars. Yes. But there's a lot of like clone focused stories yes. in Clone Wars as well. But like Rebels is singularly about a uh, Padawan learning, right? Yeah. And learning the ways of the Force. So I think that's why I have Rebels as my favorite animated show. But yeah, for sure. No, and I, 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 for me, they're interchangeable, right? Like, it, yeah. tech, like I would say all three of these shows are so fucking good. Like, I don't care. But like, yes. if I had to rank them, yeah, like right now, like I would still have Rebels over Bad Batch. I think Bad Batch is on pace to be better than Rebels. So that's, that's, there's a difference there. So like they could fuck up big time this next season. <laughs> I, I don't think they will. But I trust I trust Dave with my life. So you know, <laughs> God, <laughs> not with Tech's life, with my life. But, um... <laughs> but oh, I'm ready for season three and like like Star Wars. Just keep giving us some good shit, man, because it's been fucking awesome. Yeah, it's probably gonna be two years to be honest with you, unless they've already started working on it. But uh, I don't. Yeah, you gotta get have Bradley Baker the back in the office. There, he's gonna do voices for all fifty characters in the show, and we're good to go. Fantastic, fantastic. Uh, Anything else to add, Stephen, no, about uh, Bad Batch uh, season two? No, it's great season. I'm, 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 I legit loved it, and I'm ready for more. It's all, all right. Fantastic, fantastic. So that brings us to the end of this episode of the Movie Multiverse podcast. Uh, next week, Stephen and I will have our season three, episode six review of The Mandalorian. Um, I'm going to try to watch all of Doogie Kamealoha this week, so I might have a review on that as well. But uh, <laughs> otherwise, uh, and we'll obviously be talking about the Star Wars Celebration news. So uh, there'll be that as well. So. Uh, thanks for listening and have a good week, everyone. That'll do it for this episode of the Movie Multiverse podcast. If you like this episode, feel free to leave a five-star review on whatever podcast platform you're listening to. You can also follow us on Twitter at Movie Multipod. You can follow Steven at Your Uncle Steven. And you can follow me at Gab underscore Chartier. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time. Thank you.